Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 13. We're picking up right where we left off this morning, Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 13. Of course, we're continuing to look at the third missionary journey. As you read through a lot of these descriptions, you will read a paragraph that looks like all that it has is stops along the way. And, and you're right. Uh, and a lot of times, uh, Luke will will give things in order, and it looks like they were just hopscotching along that covered a, a long period of time. Uh, this passage of Scripture is pretty much what it seems like. He's just telling where they went along the way as they were going from one place to the next. But this short passage contains a wealth of information for us to think about when you look at uh, some of the details here. So it's always important as you read through the book of Acts and any passage of Scripture to start looking Perhaps, uh, why are these details here, and what message and what lesson can we take out of it? So Acts chapter 20, verse 13, if you'd stand as the scriptures read, please. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 13. Then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Azos, there intending to take Paul on board, for so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Azos, we took him on board and came to Miletan. And we sailed from there, and the next day came opposite Chios. The following day, we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trogilia. The next day, we came to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for this action. And as we follow his footsteps, we know there's some lessons for us. Help us to find inspiration in his work. Help us, Father, to get the lessons that you want us to out of these studies in the book of Acts. There's something here for all of us, and remind us of these things when we need them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, this is just a few verses. Look like he was saying we went here, then we went there, then we went here, then we went there. But, but we're going to stop a little bit and look at the uh, information that's here if you slow down just a little bit. Now, if we wanted to be cute, I would uh, entitle this uh, little lesson tonight, The Power in the Pronouns. Because when you look at the pronouns, you begin to see some of the action and some of the lessons. Now, you remember in the fifth grade, now, I don't, some of you may not have thought this, but I remember in the fifth grade, I would be sitting in the fifth grade English class wanting to know, why would I ever need all of these rules of grammar? You're going to need them tonight, all right, because we're going to look at pronouns. Up until the 16th chapter, ninth verse of the book of Acts, the book of Acts only uses third-person pronouns. Now, if you slept during that class, you'd, you'd have no idea what we're dealing with. What is a third-person pronoun? Third-person pronoun is he, she, him, her, they, them, theirs. That's a third-person pronoun. Now, up until Acts chapter 16, verse 9, that's all the pronouns that you have. However, in 
chapter 16, verse 9, in the town of Troas, on the second missionary journey, first person pronouns start showing up. Well, what's first person pronouns? Us and we. And these start showing up. So that tells us that the writer of this book joined the traveling party of the Apostle Paul at Troas, and it's recorded in Acts chapter 16, verse 9. So, who was the writer? If you look at the introductions of the book of Acts and compare that introduction with the book of Luke, you realize the book of Acts is a sequel to the book of Luke. So we realize that the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, joins the traveling party of the Apostle Paul. Now there's the what. Now I'll give you the so what. Why is this important? What was Luke's occupation? We find that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. As Paul is closing his book, he says, And Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. So we realize in the middle of the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, Luke comes on board. Luke is a physician. So we understand this is extremely important because by this time several things have happened if you want to, uh, to to look at the book of Galatians he had some eye issues as he wrote to the Galatian Christians in chapter 4 verse 15 he said and I know at that time if you could have you would have pulled out your own eyes and let me have them now he wouldn't have said that unless there was a problem with the eyes that he had and, of course, Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, as he's closing the book, he says, You see how large of a writing I'm writing to you in my own hand. So, we thought large print Bibles were a new thing. Paul had the first original large print Bible. The letter that he wrote to the book of Galatians was in big letters because we know he had some eyesight issues. But if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, by the time Luke came on board, a lot of these things had already happened to him. We want to look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. We quoted this a couple of Sundays ago, I believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Because 40 stripes would probably kill a man. He was one stroke away from what would usually kill a man. That happened to the Apostle Paul five times. And then three times I was beaten with rods. That was the Roman. That was the Roman method of flogging. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, 
in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often and hunger and thirst and fastings often with no food at all, he said, and in cold and nakedness. So we realize he had led a hard life for the cause of Christ and he had suffered some very severe injuries along the way. Injuries that would kill many people. And that happened multiple times. So we know up to now, he had received a lot of these injuries. And then in the very next chapter, chapter 12, he said in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. And you remember he said, and I asked God to take it from me. But he said this, my strength is sufficient for you. My strength, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Now, the word infirmities means illness. Illness. So, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Now, to me, that pretty much means literally he had some sort of physical problem. And then he talks about his illnesses. But he kept traveling. And he kept traveling. And he kept on going. How could he keep going? Well, in Troas, in the middle of the second missionary journey, his personal physician, the beloved physician, Luke, came on board. See, that's the, the message in the pronoun. Now, Luke remains a trusted companion literally for the rest of his life. Now, we mentioned this passage of Scripture last week in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he asked Timothy to go get Mark and bring him with you. You know what he prefaces that with? He starts listing the people that's left him and, 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 and left him and abandoned him. And you know what he says? Only Luke is with me. Luke's the only one. And he's with me now. That was when he said, the time of my departure is at hand. Literally, Luke stayed with him for the rest of his life. But then there's a, a hidden treasure in the passage. And that's found in verse 13 and 14. We went ahead to the ship and sailed to Azos. They're intending to take Paul on board, for so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. When we met us at Azos, we took him on board and came to Miletum. We went ahead and sailed to Azos. But it says Paul gave us orders and intended to go on foot. Well, have to do a little bit of geography now. And if you've got a map in the back of your Bible, usually it doesn't zoom in on this close enough. But Troas was up here on a peninsula, kind of like right here. Azos was down here on a peninsula. The best way to get from Troas to Azos was go around here by boat. That was the best way to go. It was the quickest way. It didn't take any work. Boats obviously went up and down the coast all the time. They were pretty inexpensive to get a little hop, if you would. But they would sail around there. And so Luke says, we 
got in the boat and sailed. And then it says, Paul had given orders intended to go on foot. You see, you could cut from Troas to Azos on foot this way instead of going around that way. It would be a 20-mile walk. It'd take longer. But the 20-mile walk can take longer. And look at the pronouns. We went ahead to the ship and sailed. Paul intended himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Azos, we took him on board. Paul told the guys to take the boat. He said, I'm going to take the long way. And he went by himself. You might say, well, what about the Jews that were wanting to kill him? Oh, Paul had missed the Passover. And it says he was hurrying to get to Jerusalem for the Pentecost. He'd already missed Passover. So all the Jews that would have been in the area, they were already at Jerusalem. He wasn't worried about them. He knew that all of them were gone. And he said, guys, Y'all can all get in the boat. And you remember there were several people traveling. We had the names of them. Y'all can go in and get in the boat. I'm going to take the long way by myself. Now, why would he do that? Well, scholars come up with any and all ideas. Some say there were people traveling with him, but it didn't say that they walked ahead. It said Paul walked ahead. Paul went on by himself. Paul needed to spend some time alone without everybody else. He loved these guys. He loved the people he preached to. He loved the people that he shared the gospel with and he exhorted. But he was with people all the time. And this was one time he said, I need to be by myself. And I'm going to take the long way. And I'm going to walk it by myself. You read through the Gospels, don't you remember somebody else that did that? Disciples would look for him, and he would be all by himself, away from the crowds, away from the disciples. Well, that was Jesus, wasn't it? See, Jesus took time to be alone with God. Paul took the long way so he could be alone with God. Sometimes... We need to take the long way, don't we? Just send the ship ahead and spend some time alone with God. And that's what Paul did. Paul needed time with God to think, to pray, to plan, to seek direction. And as much as he loved these guys, he knew that he couldn't devote that kind of time in prayer unless he was all by himself. So from Azos to Troas down to Azos, Paul took the long way. Paul walked it alone so he could spend his time with God. Then got in the boat, got with the others, off he went, back in the saddle again. But don't forget, if Jesus found it important to be alone with God and take some time, and Paul found it important to take the long way from time to time. Let's find it important enough, too, to be alone with God, 
just us and God for a while. Is there anything before we go any further? If not, then we'll go with our uh, regular monthly business meeting at this time.